Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help you scale your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is Oriol Tintori, the co-founder and co-CEO at Belvo. Uri, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. Uh, pleasure, pleasure to be here with you. So it's, it's really a pleasure to host you on the show, uh, considering what you have done so far in the ecosystem and your, your track records. But for the ones who didn't have the pleasure to meet you before, uh, so who is Uri? Yeah, so I can give a, bit, a quick, uh, quick intro about myself. I mean, I'm uh, an, an aerospace engineer. I'm a background, I started my career as, as an engineer, actually, in, in the US. I worked for, for NASA for four years developing small satellites. I, so one of the things that happened when I was, when I was there is that I saw that my, uh, my bosses, they, were, they, they started a company, they started a startup, and they were doing a lot cooler things than, than a public company like NASA was doing. So I decided that was the route that I wanted to follow. So uh, I joined uh, Stanford to do an MBA with the will of, of starting my own company and co-founded my first company in, uh, in 2015, where we started a satellite company uh, that we were doing earth imagery using small satellites. Uh, and uh, I stayed there like three, four months because uh, I had to either quit the MBA or, or, or uh, leave the company, decided to quit the, uh, so to, to quit the company and finish the, the MBA. Soon after that, I uh, joined Verse, uh, which, uh, which is uh, a peer-to-peer -peer payments platform in, uh, in Spain. And uh, there is where, where, I, where I met my, my co-founder, Pablo. And uh, after 12 months of running the, the, the company, we, we decided to start something ourselves uh, to build the new financial infrastructure for Latin America. So that's back in, in 2019, that's when, when we started, uh, when we started Belvo. That's, that's quite amazing. And uh, you have done a good job with, with Worst. It was acquired by Square for the ones who, who don't know, but we'll get back to, to the topic later. So let's get to know more about this exciting opportunity and, and scale up that you are uh, working on, which is Belleville. Tell us more about Belleville. Yeah, so one, one of the things that we, that we saw uh, when Paolo and I were doing a lot of research in the region was that a lot of financial companies were really struggling to accomplish three things where they had big pain points. Uh, they all of them had issues accessing data from their end users to uh, make decisions. They did not know how to process information and they, the, the way to move money was extremely slow and uh, very costly. So we decided that uh, Latin America had the, the need, or was in need of a, a new financial infrastructure. In a very similar way, uh, compared to uh, the, the way software software development has evolved in uh, in the last year. Right? So, when you were starting a company, you had to build absolutely everything. You will have to buy uh, servers. You will have to build your own infrastructure and then start developing the your core business. In uh, in financial services, something like this is happening. Like when you you might get access to people that want financial services, such as a loan but you have to build the entire thing from the top to the bottom, top being the, the relationship with the user, the bottom being connecting to the, the financial rails. So this is going to be uh, disintermediated. There are gonna be companies working on different layers to provide the best service. And uh, because we saw that this was gonna happen, we decided to build the infrastructure layer to serve companies to allow uh, them to connect to financial data, 
process that data and then move money. So in, in a nutshell, what we do is we allow companies uh, to allow their end users to connect their financial accounts uh, to organizations. An example is when, when you are asking for a loan, instead of submitting manually your uh, income reports or your banking statements, you can just uh, click on connecting your account, you choose your bank account, you input the credentials and the information is linked in, uh, in a matter of seconds. So we're building this infrastructure for all companies in Latin America and we're now present in Mexico, Colombia and, uh, and Brazil. That's quite impressive. And uh, in terms of stage of growth, for the ones who are listening to us, they can relate to uh, where your advice comes from. So, so we have raised a, a 10 million Series A uh, recently in terms of ad count. Um, where are you? Yes. So we, we're post Series A. So our last round was uh, almost a year ago. It was a, a $43 million round. Uh, and uh, so the company has, has raised a total of $56 million in different rounds since we started in 2019. And we're a team of 125 people um, spread between uh, Brazil, Mexico, uh, Spain. And we also have people in, in, other, uh, in other countries, like Argentina, Peru, Colombia, Greece, Portugal, etc. Got it. So uh, already at the mid stage in terms of uh, scaling up, not not early stage, not yet the post series C or a very late stage, but the, what I like to call the the mid stage, right? In terms of uh, scaling up. Yeah, we, we consider ourselves transitioning from from product market fit to uh, growth stage. Uh, growth stage. So that's yeah. Good point. Even even better precision in terms of uh, clarifying where you are in terms of uh, in terms of growth. Great. So we we love to close the show with this question, and we are doing the the, the opposite in in some of the shows uh, because we think it's a very powerful question to to break the ice and to extract the the, the most important lessons from our guests. So if you'd have an opportunity to have a coffee with yourself at the beginning of Belvo, uh, what advice would you offer to your younger self? Uh, probably um, not, to, so not to build anything until you've done extensive research. Uh, that's one thing that I think we did. We did an okay job, maybe not uh, an, an amazing one, but even so the value that you can get from really interviewing the market and really validating the hypothesis that you have is extremely powerful. That the worst thing that can happen is that you have an hypothesis that you assume it's right, that you build it, but you were wrong. And an hypothesis is extremely easy to be a wrong hypothesis because we're all biased because we see one side of the coin and we really need to understand the market. So uh, one, one piece of advice that I give some entrepreneurs, especially the ones that are more... Um, that have more technical background is don't ever uh, like, uh, um, write a line of code uh, before you've, you've uh, done extensive research in the, in the market. I think this is, this is uncomfortable to do. This is a challenge. This uh, brings us out of the comfort zone. It's not the, the funniest thing or the thing that uh, makes us super excited or that makes us feel that we're adding a lot of value already, that we're creating something amazing. Uh, but in the end, is extremely powerful. Understanding the market uh, really seeing the needs of, of customers and being extremely honest with, with yourself. I mean, what are my hypotheses? How do I validate that I am right? Because if you're wrong, the best thing you can do is to uh, 
get that answer as soon as possible. It will give you right. the capability to iterate and to get uh, to get into the right path very quickly. Yeah, and definitely, it's um, it's it's a lot of resources that are uh, being uh, wasted, right? And uh, and we should focus much more on validating really the problem that we are trying to solve. I think that's. That's another issue that is it's easy to understand. It's it's difficult to apply, to not try to find a problem for the solution, but really try to find to solve a, a, a very big problem in the market and find the right timing to solve that problem. Uh, and it brings one of the topics that we love to discuss here on the show, which is the importance of radical focus. Um, there is something very interesting about uh, about Bellevue that I would love to you to share. Uh, you already said that you are focused on Mexico, Colombia, and Brazil in the beginning um, of your presentation of uh, Bellevue. So why LATAM? Uh, why only LATAM? Or uh, you even used uh, the expression when we spoke last time, uh, LATAM first and, and only. Yeah, so I mean, uh, for us, the it's it's extremely important to be uh, to be focused. And I mean, when what we see is that uh, Latin America is actually a very big big region. And uh, first, you need to be a local company. I think uh, an error that can be made is that you can serve at the same time, very different regions, such as Europe or Spain and LATAM, and the transition is easy. Uh, I think this is, um, so this is actually a lot more complex than, than people that people think. So why yeah. LATAM first? Um, because we saw that the urgency was there. We saw that uh, the opportunity and the timing was the correct one versus other regions. Why LATAM only? because each market is very different. Even within Latin America, each country is very different already. Uh, and we cannot be uh, too full to think that we can serve uh, the entire world very quickly. So uh, as, as we expand, even if you, if you ask us 10 years down the line, would you see yourself uh, operating elsewhere? We see ourselves providing more value-added services in LATAM versus mm -hmm. uh, expanding uh, elsewhere. That's that's really interesting. And and even within LATAM, uh, selecting these three markets that where you were starting Mexico, Colombia, and and Brazil. And I, I assume we didn't start with uh, the three uh, at the same time, but maybe yes. Uh, any inputs there? By the way. Yeah. So we, we started in Mexico. And uh, we started in Mexico in 2019 and launched at the beginning of 2020. We decided to test the expansion playbook in Colombia and uh, it proved to be successful. So after we, we started seeing a lot of interest from the region, we developed that and, and, and launched. We were serving Colombia from, uh, from Mexico. And this is something that we're transitioning at the moment. So uh, because you have to be a local company Right. Even within, so you, you, being a LATAM company is not enough. Uh, you have to be a Mexican company, you have to be a Colombian company, and also Brazil. I mean, you expanded after to Brazil, and you have to be really a Brazilian company. So you need you need the resources to be local, and um, and this is uh, so. And this is complex. After this expansion, we decided to focus a lot on these three markets only, and even if we are exploring opportunities of, of growing to other to other markets. 
they have to come together with big opportunities that uh, we're always uh, we're always exploring. But if you think about where we believe the revenue is going to come from in five years down the line, probably a big chunk is going to come from these three countries. And uh, for us, it's a lot more important to win Brazil, to win Mexico, and win Colombia than being present all over Latin America quickly. This is quite interesting uh, to think in in this way because I think that in the past we had this uh, go global uh, kind of manifesto that sometimes was uh, defocusing uh, the, ourselves and uh, the entrepreneurs in the space. It's it's really really very important to um, to be the number one player in the most important markets. So in in a lot of expansion strategies. It is in the US if you are coming from Europe or whatever it's happening. Um, but uh, but here in, in Latam, it's, it's definitely uh, Brazil from the Portuguese speaking uh, countries in the region and uh, Mexico and Colombia in the Spanish speaking uh, countries. Of course, I would, I would say that Argentina is also quite big, right? Yes, I mean it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely one of the what we would call tier two uh, countries for us. Right. It's also true that in terms of fintech, uh, Colombia has expanded faster than uh, right. in, uh, than Argentina, and yeah. also from a macro perspective, it's uh, it's a much easier uh, exactly. country. However, we are looking at Argentina uh, in detail as as, as well. Uh, we do see a big difference between. Brazil, number one, Mexico, number two, Colombia, number three, and then okay. the rest. And, and there is already here um, a big challenge uh, for, for the company, which is really to, to manage, as, as you said, the different cultures, the different countries, and even the different languages, Portuguese and, uh, and Spanish. Um, so how has been this transition in terms of expanding from Mexico to to, to Brazil and, and of course, uh, let's say starting up in Brazil and expanding from Mexico to Colombia, as you said, right? Yeah, I mean, this, uh, it has presented several challenges, right? So uh, in, in Brazil, maybe maybe it's it's most significant one because of the maybe one, the language barrier, and then two, yeah. the, the, the country-specific knowledge that you need. And then again, it goes back to being a Brazilian company. You cannot... I mean, you cannot pretend to be, uh, even Paolo and I were from Spain, right? So we cannot pretend to be a Spanish company just because the two of us were from Spain. If you want to serve Brazil, we need to be a Brazilian company. We need to speak the language. We need to um, understand the clients. We need to understand the product, the ecosystem, and the regulations. So there are a lot of things that you need. So that's why Brazil was the latest one we, we expanded and we waited until we have significant funding to, to accomplish it because we knew that we had to hire people on the ground a full team, et cetera, to build uh, a Brazilian company. So I would say this, this has been one of the, uh, one of the main challenges right, as, as, we have, uh, as we have expanded. I have to say that on the other hand, there are things that are not, uh, I would say as hard or as um, unfriendly as people might think, right? So we've heard a lot, like it's very hard to make business in Brazil. And actually I think Brazil is one of the most uh, business friendly uh, companies that, that we've that we've seen in terms of the uh, how fast it's evolving um, mm -hmm. how willing companies are to try new things uh, to rely on on innovation how the regulator is pushing the um, the uh, so the, the new developments uh, so in, in that term we're seeing extremely 
a positive um, so, uh, um, actions that are affecting us. And we see the growth in Brazil being very, very high, thanks to, thanks to the, the ecosystem as well. So I think it, it comes with some, with some challenges for sure, but also there are great opportunities. And, and the ecosystem has evolved uh, a lot in the in the last years in the region, and uh, of course in Brazil as well as well with uh, several growth stage scale ups, uh, unicorns, and and so on. So same is happening in the in the Spanish speaking ones, but uh, definitely Brazil is is very open to innovation and to um, new technologies. So it's it's good to see, and maybe the timing is also right to um, to go to Brazil in terms of the opportunities as we were discussing uh, before. And um, so there is something also in interesting that uh, I like to discuss, which is of course the team component. So we need, as as we discussed it about the advice to your younger self, it's really important to identify the opportunity and to invest. Um, time and, and resources on doing a good research before starting to write any line of, uh, of code. Uh, and of course, that's all about execution and execution and, and planning is also made by, by a great team. So uh, I know that you, that you have started uh, almost from scratch uh, with, uh, with, with Mexico. Um, so how, how have you managed it to, to kind of starting to set up the first leadership team uh, as Oreo, as, as Belvo started to, to scale? Yeah, it's a very good question. You know, we, we always say that uh, anything that we build is, is thanks to the team and thanks to the uh, kind of the, the culture that the company the company has and the excitement that everyone shares and the motivation to, to achieve our um, so our objective of, of democratizing access to financial services in Latin America. Um, how 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 do you do that? I mean, uh, we, we always say that growth um, comes very natural uh, in within within Belvo, both personal growth as as people above within the company and also growth within the, the people that you have to bring on board. Um, two of the things that we've we've put a lot of emphasis. Uh, one is uh, we we built very early uh, a significant people department. So we we I think our number ten or number eleven higher was uh, the person who today is our VP of, of people. And uh, uh, she has been instrumental for the growth of the company, hiring local talent while uh, maintaining the company culture where we have now offices in Sao Paulo, Mexico City, Barcelona, Madrid. So this is hard. Uh, and and uh, that's why we decided to invest very early on on this. I mean, if you think about types of hires that uh, 10 people company make. Uh, it's not normal to, to find uh, an executive for, for the people team. It's actually the first executive team member was the, the, the VP of, of people. Uh, and for us that- Especially a, a senior yeah. one, and sorry to interrupt. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. It's not, hey, we're finding somebody uh, to- Exactly. To, uh, to, we, we, we found, so we, we hired some, so a person that had gone through the like scale-up process of uh, moving companies from 50 to 300 employees, exactly. an extremely uh, fast-paced uh, environments. Uh, companies like Social Point, Marfil. So this is uh, we, we wanted to bring that uh, type of person on board, and this has made us extremely successful at hiring good talent and keeping good talent. So people are very happy 
uh, working at Belvo. I think it comes from the culture, from the values that we have uh, within within the company. So I think for us, in terms of how to build the leadership team, I think it's very very focused on on how to how do we have hired uh, people, and then the rest of the of the leadership team. I think when when you try to hire executives, they're so they're basically so they they want to see two things. One is actually the culture of the company, the people. Uh, think about these people; they can work anywhere. They can choose any company to work for. So they, they want to work in a place where they're going to enjoy it, when they're going to have fun, because they know that they're probably very successful people. They can do a very good job almost everywhere. And the, the first the first thing for them is working with people that they can maybe learn from, uh, but they can have a good time working. With. And it's not about like partying every day. It's about uh, a growing environment. Um, so uh, a big vision, humility, teamwork, etc. And then the second thing is is about the 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 bold. So the boldness of of the mission and and mm-hmm. um, and how clear that mission is. And for us, I think we have worked a lot on defining on defining our our mission, which is as, as I said before, democratizing access to financial services. In Latin America, with a very with a very compelling story, when you match this mission, which is a huge challenge, something that can change uh, a region and can change the ecosystem for a better one that has a lot of social impact, together with an amazing group of people to work with, which is uh, the rest of the team, uh, it, it makes it a lot easier. Right? So you have a lot of weapons to use when when you are mm-hmm. hiring these these people. And when they get to know the company, uh, they fall in love with 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 Belvo. So uh, it's not it's not easy, obviously. But but this is a bit. I mean, I, I'll focus a lot more on the soft aspect versus on like numbers and uh, and things that yes, they're obviously necessary, but right. that doesn't make a big difference for for like uh, this type of leadership uh, team members. Yeah, and so it should be the role of the team to achieve those numbers. Uh, the difficult part is really to, as you said, to attract those people and to present them in in the right way. And of course, being also honest, the the opportunity that they have uh, in in front of them and the amazing team that will be joining and that they will be uh, working with to uh, achieve those amazing milestones. And of course, it's always a high risk environment. Uh, that's that's what the VC community and and the scale up community uh, love. Uh, at the same time, it's it's this uh, huge ambition that we have about disrupting industries, changing the world, and and improving the world uh, with 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 what we do, right? So that's that's quite and, and something very very interesting about um, also your your team is the co-CEO uh, model. Is is Pablo also based in in Spain or uh, in Latin America? Yeah, we're, we're both based in Spain. Um, he travels a bit more than than I do, uh, especially because he lead, he leads the, the revenue side of the companies or the relationship with with a lot of clients. Right. So that uh, he, he travels a bit more, but we're both based in Spain. 
Got it. And how has been the this co-CEO model? We have seen in some companies that this model is being uh, very successful. Um, sometimes the investors push a bit to decide who will be the, the CEO and, and sometimes even in later stages uh, of growth. So what, what has been some of the pros and cons of having this kind of uh, model and, and why do you guys are, are in love with, uh, with this model? Yeah, I mean, as, as time passes, I'm, I'm uh, more a believer of, of the model. Um, this is, it has, uh, so it, it has been a model that uh, several people have asked about. I think it's, uh, the, the question is a lot about, I don't know, we've traditionally seen um, single CEOs in companies, and that is fine. But um, I actually see the, the, the structure of co-founders. I like the expression, single CEOs. We are recording this in the, in the week of the <laughs> Valentine's uh, Day. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice analogy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so and, and it actually is, is uh, I would say it also has, the, the, when you talk about co-CEOs or, or, or couple CEOs, and, uh, exactly. but it, it has, it also has the benefit of, of the teamwork, right? I mean, imagine being a single parent or imagine being a, a couple, right? No, but, but talking seriously about running the company, I mean, a lot of people ask about the, uh, the questions like, hey, how, you, how do you make decisions? Or um, we, we've gotten the questions like, hey, if you have like $1 million to invest in a, pro in a project and, and both of you want it, uh, who, who wins, which is, to be honest, a decision that you never face. Uh, you're never going to say like, oh, we have this million to allocate. Is it yours or is it mine? I mean, that ne never, never, ever happens. On the other hand, making decisions by yourself is, is challenging. You don't have the capability of focusing on everything and you don't have all the answers. And it's extremely uh, beneficial for the company to be challenged and to have somebody to bounce back ideas. In some cases, we've seen companies where they have, I don't know, three CEOs or three people at, that, at the same level, which normally tends to uh, end with like a two versus one. So just from a statistical right. perspective, they're going to be, there's going to be one person that is going to be in more decisions alone than the other two, right? So, and that can create conflict. In... Um, with two people, it's either you agree or you disagree, right? So it's uh, and and both uh, and and both uh, people are in exactly the same situation, right? So it, it, it's very easy to be uh, equal. Good we point. have uh, we have a really mean, huge trust relationship, uh, and when we have com uh, conversations about things that maybe one of us does not agree we have clear boundaries of what area that implies and uh, who makes a decision. I give an example, I don't know, like if we want to close a client and we have certain con uh, conditions and I might say that we should change them and Pablo might say that we need to keep them. I mean, it's Pablo's decision and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna argue uh, about it, but I'm gonna say, I know this is your decision and I'm gonna A, uh, agree with your decision and B, work as mm -hmm. if it was my decision. And he does exactly the same thing if it's if it's something on, on on, uh, under my responsibilities, but I do appreciate having somebody to challenge me and to provide feedback on, on the things that I also lead. So um, I think that the, the CEO role is also a pretty lonely role yeah. and having somebody that you share uh, all of those uh, responsibilities is, is amazing. And being transparent, I mean, the CEO is the person who is most out of the comfort zone in the company. 
exactly. and, and it's super hard. So um, you you have to make decisions. You work with uh, people that have uh, a lot more, I don't know, like market understanding, better background, uh, more experience, and you're supposed to be the one making the right decisions. Uh, doing all of this alone, I think it's it's hard. I keep uh, trusting more and more this this uh, relationship. And when people ask about it, I say, hey, I mean, we, so this is extremely beneficial for the company. And investors are like, oh, uh, this investor does not invest in like uh, co-CEOs. That's fine. I mean, it's like if an investor will not invest in FinTech, it's not the investor we're going to talk to, right? So uh, this is the way we work and we're extremely convinced about it. And it has helped Pablo and myself built an incredible um, yeah, relationship where we trust each other 100%. That, that's really great. And I like it a lot, to your point, and I can relate to it about the, the very lonely, lonely role that the, the CEO uh, needs to go through. And uh, having definitely a co-CEO helps to complement each other. And at the same time, as you said, to vent and to brainstorm, to discuss the future um, of the company and and of course it is also very important for the CEO to not um, assume the responsibility and the need of having all the answers for uh, the company that's why we have um, a leadership team to support us and uh, and and the, the, the co-CEOs need to be also part of the leadership team and members of the leadership team and and of course uh, leverage their role and their position as, as co-CEOs when, when they need to do it, when there is conflict, uh, when there is no uh, consensus about a specific decision, or even if it is consensus, that, uh, that's why we have a leader of the team to decide that the direction is in, in another way. Um, so how do you bring um, the leadership team uh, together and, uh, and, and play as, as one, let's say? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to work in a way where um, the, so the, the executive team will make the, so the same decisions if you're in the room and if you're not in the room. I think that's what, what, you, want to, so what yeah. you want to accomplish. And then and that's the, the overall um, goal. Clarity of again. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and so that means that you need to empower the team as soon as possible, right? So if you make all the decisions, you're not in the room, the team is... First, they're not going to be empowered, and they're not going to, they're going to be maybe afraid of making the decisions sure. because like they've never done it, right? So, uh, first thing is you always have to empower people to make their own decisions. Uh, we are not. I mean, I think the decision making should be the inverted pyramid of the company structure. The decisions hmm. should actually come from the bottom right. and uh, be challenged as, as as you grow. So, I, I, I personally, I see my job as a uh, as a question maker and as a, isn't as a challenge. Uh, I am um, maybe pretty annoying at asking questions. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm extremely curious. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think uh, the, the team might know it. So when we have like, I don't know, the, the weekly uh, meetings and then each department presents is like, okay, it's already asking a question, already asking a question. So, but but it's, <laughs> it's not about, I mean, it's not about finger pointing. It's, it's, it's about understanding That's and it's about challenging, right? So why do you think this is a good decision? Why they, and then I think the team gets to understand the way you think up to the point 
where they answer the question before you ask it, which is, which is, I think it's, uh, uh, to me, it's a magical moment. It's like, hey, Woody, I know you can ask this. This is the answer. So I, I like this <laughs> a lot. Uh, but it's, you have to empower them. You have to empower them. And these, they are the decision makers. You have to communicate this to them. I mean, uh, in the end, we have, so we have the vision, we have the push, uh, we, we can motivate the team. Uh, if the team needs us, needs us to make decisions, to clarify things, we're going to be there to help because it's also, Pablo and I, we're going to be the ones who probably have the widest view and we can provide input about, hey, have you thought about this? And maybe they haven't because they don't have the full picture. Uh, and once we detect these things, how do we open communication and how do we ensure that these things happen? And in the end, is um, if the team feels empowered, they are going to grow, they're going to be happy, and then they're going to be able to make these decisions. And it starts by delegating as much as possible, making them the decision makers, and not working as, as, as somebody with ego. I think that's the, the biggest enemy of the of, of companies is, is personal ego. We, we always say that people who come to Belvo and work with a Belvo t-shirt, uh, they, they're going to be successful. They're not going to be asking for promotions, raises, et cetera, but they're going to get it. Uh, people who come to the company and they, uh, they, they work with their t-shirt, so with their name on t-shirt, they're going to fail. And uh, it's pretty, it's, it's, uh, that is pretty clear. And you see that. Uh, so that's a bit what we're trying to, to enforce within, within the company. Love it. That's, that's definitely a, a very important one. It's how, how do we go from I individual achievers into I performing team? I think it's, there is a, an art there and and the role of the ceo is critical uh, there so uh, we assume sometimes that if we have the right people on the right seats it's done it's not done so we need to make them uh, a team and uh, this is the complicated part of the process yeah. and I, I think when i don't know if, if we think about people that we admire professionally i would say 95 percent of them they don't give a shit about themselves Mm -hmm. They don't worry about the quality of their work. And it's not because they are sure and they have such a big ego that they know it's right. right. It's because they know that it's not the important thing. The important thing is working for the company and then what happens with me, I'm going to be taken care of. Um, so uh, I've, I've always seen that and I admire this from people. Okay, this person is able not to worry about, am I doing the right job? Am I doing the right exactly. thing? And these are the people who... If they ask the question, they will feel extremely even more motivated, but they simply don't ask this question to themselves. So I think this is, uh, this is something you have to achieve and this is the type of people you want to work with. I had also had the opportunity in my in my career to be a professional CEO first and later to start up my own company, uh, Scale Up Valley, not in the VC Beckett uh, industry. But I'm curious. So you had the opportunity to be a professional CEO uh, at first. Uh, it got acquired. Later, you started um, uh, Bellevue. So what is the difference of being a professional CEO or, or being a founder uh, CEO in, in this industry? Yeah, I mean, just, just one, one quick mention. I mean, I think so Verse was, uh, was acquired by Square 
around a year after uh, Pablo and I left. So obviously it was a big success that that verse was acquired by Square, but I didn't want to take, uh, take okay. the merit of, of that. Oh, uh, I, was not, I was not part of that, but, but still very happy for, for, this, uh, for this process. I think it's so stepping in as CEO versus starting from the, uh, from the bottom is, is different, right? Uh, when, when you come to a company as, as a CEO, uh, you haven't built a team. You had you don't have uh, so you don't have the the, the full picture on, on everything so that can be uh, that can be a big challenge and uh, it's uh, more natural when, when you start from the uh, from the beginning. Mm, on the other hand, you have to adapt to many different situations. So in the end, uh, once you go through the transition phase and you get to to understand how things work. Um, I think it's um, uh, it's uh, it's pretty similar. I think it's seen very different, very very differently from the outside market. I mean, oh, you stepped in as the CEO. What happened? Uh, mm-hmm. Is this so? Are you really a, a, a founder? Uh, which, in a way, I mean, I can tell that I was doing very similar job before mm-hmm. and, and today. So not not that right. it, it changes my mentality, that it changes my spirit, but it's perceived differently. Um, if you ask me what I prefer, obviously I prefer to start from the from the bottom up. It's like a cleaner situation, and then when you step in a CEO somewhere, you inherit uh, the goods and the bads, right? So the company will have things that you would have done differently, and they're a lot better than you would have done, mm-hmm. and you have problems that would have happened with you. So you have to just uh, exactly. accept them and uh, embrace them as as if they were yours. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and before we close and we, we need to uh, wrap up soon as the time uh, is flying and uh, I would love to, to discuss much more points here with you. But uh, there, there is something that I really love, which is the country manager, general manager kind of model and how it combines with the leadership team. So there are people who believe that uh, that kind of role should be sitting at the leadership team. There are other ones that believe that it, sh- it should be reporting to someone and in the leadership team. So what is your position at, at this moment and uh, how, how do you see the, the, the presence of the country managers or general managers um, that are leading the, the geos um, in the leadership team? Yeah, I, I can speak on behalf of Belvo. I think each company yeah. is completely different. So I'm not gonna judge or I, I don't think I have a strong opinion on, on, on how other companies do it. Uh, there can be yeah. reasons to do it one way or another. For us, it's extremely important to have them at the executive team, uh, and uh, they so they mm-hmm. uh, our country managers report directly to Pablo because they are the the the, the people who are going to have the best knowledge about the local market. Um, exactly. They're going to have uh, information about how our product works, how we sell our product, uh, what's the uh, internal uh, team spirit. So even if they don't have like a lot of direct reports or they don't work. I mean, sales do not report to them, product do not report to them. They are in, in the middle and they can be extremely beneficial. And for us, the example is Brazil, right? We have a GM in Brazil who has been instrumental. I mean, he has almost entirely started the, the company. He onboarded people from sales. He, he taught them how to, how to sell. He was present in the first sales. He was challenging our product, defining our product with us to tackle the Brazilian market in a much better way than we would have ever done. So in, in a way they are, they are the co-founders of 
Belvoir within the company. I, I was saying Belvoir needs to be a Brazilian company. So the CEO of Belvoir Brazil is our GM, is our country manager. The same is, so now we've, we've hired um, the same in, in Mexico and the same in Colombia, and we see it this way. So extremely important for us, and they have to be uh, with, the, with the executive team for sure. I fully agree with you, and uh, I believe that is definitely the point. So we need to have a diverse leadership team that represents the countries that we are playing in or who have experience in, in the countries that we are playing with. And it's it's really uh, a waste of uh, intelligence and, uh, and resources to not have those people who are on the ground um, in the leadership team. Or even worse, if we are telling them what to do uh, when they are the ones who know more uh, about the markets, uh, it's it's definitely in, in my point of view and a mistake. So very well done. Um, today we will not discuss uh, the execution machine uh, bits or OKRs and so on. Uh, I think that we have uh, enough uh, of that. So let, let's let's discuss the future uh, and what needs to happen uh, until you are back into, into this podcast. So what means success in the upcoming chapter of, of Belvo for you? Yeah, at, at the beginning, I was saying that we're transitioning from a product market fit to, to a revenue growth. I mean, we, we define product market fit as being able to serve um, so big financial institutions in uh, in Latin America, and we've we've achieved that uh, closing very big very big contracts. Uh, for us, uh, I think the the objectives uh, for for this year, they so a we want to move uh, up market. We want to serve bigger companies. Uh, so we we have uh, I mean a, a good strategy to work with fintechs uh, to add value and to integrate quickly. Now we're talking about bigger institutions, how we work with the financial leaders, how we work with banks. Uh, for us, this is important. The second thing is to provide more value within each uh, market where we're present, which is uh, we are offering data aggregation, which is the capability of extracting raw data from financial institutions. But we're also offering uh, since, uh, since last year enrichment products. So we need to nail how we build these products and how we sell. So we need to extract significant revenue from uh, our enrichment solutions. And then finally, we're about to launch our payment initiation capabilities. And here we're building uh, a, a pull and push uh, payment platform that will allow companies to send and receive money using the banking rails that can allow savings, so they can allow them to save a lot of money and uh, make payments a lot more efficient. So if you ask me where, where should you be uh, next year, we should have uh, so significant revenue coming from these two areas, enrichment and product. We should have uh, fully developed payments uh, capabilities. And obviously, we should keep focusing on, on the quality and the robustness of the current platform uh, in the markets that we're serving and working with, uh, with big clients. Clarity, uh, again, and uh, I assume that uh, Belvo will keep uh, hiring in the, in the upcoming months. So any particular areas uh, where uh, there are a lot of opportunities there? Yeah, so we're doubling, the plan is to double the team. So we're 125 people at the moment. So we're planning on doubling the team. Uh, we're, we're growing extremely fast uh, in all the areas. Yeah, yeah so 
Um, obviously, uh, engineering is the area where we're going to grow the uh, the most as, as many as many tech companies, but in, in any other in any other area as well, right? So right. We, we start to need uh, people who have been there in the market, who have done that, who have expertise, um, such as I don't know, like uh, sp- specific expertise in uh, how you build a credit model using the data that we can extract and things like that. We're, we're looking, we're looking for, but in, in a nutshell, we're growing right. in all different departments. And uh, and our offer is pretty is pretty uh, competitive, right? So I mean, it's uh, we want to have people on board. We're going to have a lot. Who want to have a lot of fun. Who want to commit to a a, a very challenging mission, but that uh, I mean, that are going to be surrounded by by a world class team that is going to help uh, make it happen. So uh, really, really focused on on hiring the best talent out there. Absolutely critical. So, Uri, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Mike. And to our community, thanks for being there. As you see, we keep bringing you the best of the best to make your life a little bit easier uh, scaling up a company. See you soon and keep scaling.